From LPL Financial, welcome to Market Signals. I'm your host, Ryan Dietrich. Energy is not one of our favorite sectors, but clearly uh, the stocks are reflecting better times ahead. Collectively, OPEC plus Russia and a little bit of help from the rest of the world, probably going to get about 20 million barrels of cuts. You know, that's going to make make up most of the lost demand here. So as economies start to reopen, we'll get some demand back. You get those production cuts uh, in place and the supply demand formula can balance uh, and it'll probably be at prices uh, quite a bit higher than the you know single digits or low double digits that we've uh, seen here in the past a few days. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the latest edition of the LPL Market Signals podcast. Ryan Dietrich here up on the lineup in Boston. Jeff Bookbinder. Jeff, how was your Chiefs draft this past weekend? You happy with it? Well, I, I like that running back they picked up from LSU in the first round. Um, but beyond that, um, I tell you, some of their picks got panned. They, they might have reached, but uh, mm. when you win the Super Bowl, I think you get the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, it's one of my favorite draft day tra- uh, traditions, right? When you do a fantasy draft, I should say, when one of your buddies reaches, hey, pass the, can you pass the Heinz ketchup? I can't reach it. You know, give him one of those. That's always, uh, that's always good. But as a Bengals fan, you know, we had the number, we earned that number one pick by losing just about all of our games. And uh, Joe Burrow is coming to town, the Ohio boy coming back. We'll see. Like I always say, Mike Brown is still the owner. He's been the owner for over 30 years. They haven't won a playoff game for over 30 years, so you do the math. But hopefully Joe Burrow can end the misery that is most professional sports in Ohio. We have Ohio State, but my oh my, between the Browns and Bengals, it's not too good. Um, so, Jeff, let's see here. Let's just dive right into it. We have a lot to discuss this week in our latest podcast. First things first, energy, just specifically oil prices, went negative this time a week ago. We're going to talk about some of the some of the uh, reasons why and what it can mean for the future. Also, we've just had one of the greatest one month rallies in the history of the stock market. Going to put that in context and what that could mean. Then, lastly, we are in the heart of earnings season. Kind of do an earnings season update and kind of where we see things going forward as it pertains to earnings. So, again, Jeff, the first thing, like we said, oil. I'll set the stage here, then turn it to you. Oil went negative a week ago. We didn't think it was possible, but it happened. And to keep it real simplistic, had a function of the fact that front month futures expire. People did not want to roll those. They didn't want to own the physical oil. And there was nowhere to store it. People are running out of places to store oil because there is just really no demand. So oil went negative. Uh, Jeff, high level, what was your initial reaction to seeing oil negative early last week? Well, I was surprised uh, just like... Everybody else was, I yep. think, Ryan. I mean, we uh, we saw negative interest rates several years back, so we've gotten used to that. But I don't think people were thinking about a negative commodity price. Uh, it it really um, it just says that the owners of these futures contracts were going to have to pay somebody to take the oil off their hands. That's mm-hmm. that's really what it meant. I mean, it, that contract wasn't trading a lot of volume at negative numbers, but um, Essentially, uh, you had to pay to get rid of it. Um, there's not any storage really left to be had, and uh, we know that demand's taken a huge hit uh, from the uh, essentially the global lockdowns. Yeah, I think I I got gas for the first time last week in probably over a month, and I'm sure a lot of other people are like that. I've been coming to the office periodically, which is just a few miles from my house, but yeah, there is no question about that. Now, the one one quote when I hear something goes negative. I think, wow, that has to impact someone down the line. And there's a famous quote by J. Paul Getty. He said, 
if you owe the bank $100, that's your problem. But if you owe the bank $100 million, that's the bank's problem. So Jeff, whose problem is this? I mean, we just went negative. You think a consumer, hey, I like paying lower gas. Who's really impacted by what just happened in the uh, oil markets? It's the producers, Ryan. I mean, the U.S. is uh, the largest producer in the world. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we got a lot of companies that employ a lot of people selling this stuff. And uh, clearly, they're not getting much. The Maybe the bright side here is that if you look out to futures contracts a year in the future, you get to a more reasonable level, right. something in the neighborhood of $30 a barrel. And some producers can make money in that neighborhood. Uh, but um, if you're trying to sell oil here in the next several months, you're not making any money on it. And um, clearly, energy companies have, have been uh, struggling of late. Yeah, you know, let's, we've talked before many times the last several weeks about how the economy and the stock market currently are not connected at all with stocks up significantly and yet the economy, you know, in a vicious, vicious recession. Yet, Jeff, if you look at last week out of the 11 S&P 500 sectors, the only one positive on the week was energy. Energy Crude oil had its worst week in history. Uh, you look at some of the things like credit, some of the geeky stuff we talk about, like credit spreads on energy companies and high yield spreads, those spreads have come down. In other words, even though crude oil is negative and crashed, people, uh, the credit markets, the smartest guys in the room are less worried about the long-term viability of some of these large, in, large uh, energy companies than they were about five or six weeks ago. And again, if you think stocks tend to lead the commodity, which I think I, I'm in that camp and it makes sense. The fact that all of a sudden energy stocks have done fairly well relative to everything else the last five, six days uh, with lower oils, uh, kind of kind of fascinating. I mean, what, what do you think? Is, are the credit markets right this time around? Or what's your view on kind of energy stocks here and now? Well, it, it's energy is not one of our favorite sectors, but clearly right. uh, the stocks are reflecting better times ahead. Uh, and you know, by the way, the one way to get better times is to cut production, which should support prices. And um, that actually is starting today. Uh, the Saudis have started their production cuts. That was supposed to start on May 1. Uh, they've collectively, OPEC plus Russia, uh, and a little bit of help from the rest of the world, probably gonna get about 20 million barrels of cuts. Um, and uh, you know, that's gonna make, make up most of the lost demand here. Not all of it, but uh, most of it. So as economies start to reopen, which is also happening now, very early stages, we'll get some demand back. You get those production cuts uh, in place and the supply-demand formula can balance uh, and it'll probably be at prices uh, quite a bit higher than the you know, single digits or low double digits that we've uh, seen here the past uh, few days. Yeah, I think the key takeaway there is from an investments point of view, at LPL Research, we've been, you know, underweight energy. It's a group we haven't really liked. And although we just talked about some potential positives there. I mean, Jeff, what's your take? Over the next six to 12 months, would you, you be overweight energy right now? Energy stocks is what I should say. Uh, knowing what we know and what we just discussed, or would you still be kind of underweight or at least market weight? Probably uh, market weight at most. We're looking yep. at about a 3% weight in the S&P 500 right. right now, which is not much. Energy is what, 26, 25, to put it in context, right? Or I'm sorry, technology. Uh, tech, Techno yeah. yeah, technology is about 25%. Yeah. That's right. Now, when you go to the high-yield bond market, that's where energy really matters, north yeah. of 10% weighting in that sector. So 
we um, probably would say be a little bit more uh, positive on energy stocks versus energy credit here. But um, frankly, it's, it's not an area that we're focused on. Yeah, exactly. So, so lots of very interesting and, and in some ways devastating things taking place in the energy market. Um, so we're going to move forward now. Jeff, let's put the context of the rally, uh, the rally in context here. We had a 20 day, 20 days off the March 23rd lows. The S&P 500 was up t- over 22%. You go back in market history, back to World War II, only the 20 day bounce off of the March 2009 lows was greater. So the logical thing that I had was, hmm, well, what happens next? So we took a look at the 10 largest 20-day bounces ever for the S&P 500 back to World War II. And to summarize this, one year later, the S&P was higher 10 out of 10 times. Six months later, higher 9 out of 10 times. Now, some of those short-term returns over one to three months, you definitely saw some pullbacks and some some, some volatility. But my take, Jeff, and I'll turn it to you in a second, my take is what we just saw is a blast of strength that is historic and is a sign that March 23rd might have been the lows. We can pull back 10 or 15% from where we are right now. We're rallying again on Monday. But, you know, those might likely were the lows. And six to 12 months from now, the Mr. Market is telling us there could be better times ahead. What, what's your initial reaction there? Yeah, I think we're going higher between now and the end of the year. But the road is going to be bumpy. Yep. Uh, we, you know, with stocks up, you know, north of 25% off the lows here yeah. in a hurry, um, stocks are pricing in a fairly optimistic trajectory for the economy, right? We're going to, you know, it'll be fits and starts. Um, we're going to reopen in stages. Uh, it, it's not just going to be flick a switch. So um, we'll, we'll start this economic recovery here over the next month or two, and it'll probably steadily ramp up over the course of the year, but it's, it's probably not going to be anything even remotely shaped like a V. It's probably, as I think we said last week, maybe a, a, a squiggly U, uh, possibly yeah. even, a, or a squiggly check mark. maybe. Right. Um, it's going to take some time to, to get back to, uh, uh, to where we just were. So we think stocks probably need to pull back here a little bit in the short term. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I, I know I talked to you about this this morning, but yesterday on Sunday, kids were just going crazy. Wife wanted to get out of the house. So we just jumped in the car, just drove around. We didn't even plan on leaving the car. We just wanted to drive around to get some, you know, some different view than just staring at everybody. And we went by down in South Carolina here. We went by Rock Hill, South Carolina, actually, a home of, I think, three or four NFL players, small little city, but they know how to make some NFL players in Rock Hill, South Carolina. And we went by a um, plant place, you know, buy some shrubs and stuff. It was packed. I mean, it's one of the few places that are open, first off, as South Carolina is slowly opening these businesses. And because they only let so many people in at a time, there were probably 30 or so people waiting outside, which shocked myself and my wife. Out of those 30, I think only two or three of them had masks on. And trust me, Jeff, these people were not six feet apart. They were right next to each other. So what worried me, just seeing that very small sample size, if we start bringing people out again, and yet no one's even wearing masks, when I'm not trying to be a PSA here, you probably should, um, you know, that worried me. I mean, have you seen anything like that in Boston, or are you guys still staying inside, I guess? Well, we're pretty much just walking the dog, but yep. we, we have driven around and seen, you know, seen a a mix of, you know, masks, no masks. Uh, we definitely haven't seen any stores uh, full of people. A little bit of a line outside of an ice cream shop, but it has a window, so you just, yeah. you know, you, you don't have to congregate uh, too much. So, yeah, that's 
you know, we, we have this playbook, this road to recovery playbook mm-hmm. we've talked about before. Uh, one of the signals on that playbook was um, stabilization of, of COVID-19 cases. So we just upgraded that signal. We think we've seen stabilization of new cases, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean that there's no risk of, uh, of a relapse, right? Of flare-ups, uh, depending on how the reopenings are, uh, are occurring across the country. Yeah, and um, so by the time most people probably hear this on Tuesday, uh, if you listen to this on Tuesday, go to lplresearch.com and we'll have a blog up that takes a look at kind of some of the things that Jeff, you just discussed there. Um, now, Jeff, let's go off script a little bit. Michael Jordan, The Last Dance. Have you been watching that show by chance on Sunday evening? I, I have, uh, Ryan, but I'm a little bit behind. So uh, That's all right. I won't give anything I, away. I know, I, I know yeah. how it ends because yeah, <laughs> I lived in Chicago during that time. <laughs> oh, really? But oh, okay. I did, yeah. but uh, I, I am only uh, through most of uh, episode two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we watched it with my two boys and I, Gus and Sebastian, seven and nine. And what I didn't know <laughs> was ESPN is the version of the F-bomb. They just play anything on ESPN. ESPN 2 plays the more edited version. So when I watched it last Sunday, my seven-year-old, when he heard some of those magic words from Michael Jordan, he just lit up. He was so excited. I was like, oh, God, don't tell mommy. He told mommy, and I got yelled at. So last night, Jeff, we watched the ESPN2 version, which was much uh, much safer. They didn't say a few words, and he looked at me and goes, Dad, are we watching the right one? I said, no, it's okay. It's okay. But anyway, but enough of that. But, yeah, it's awesome. I mean, just, you know, I was just on Yahoo Finance a minute ago, and actually they said the producer for the show was coming on after me. And um, I love the quote by Michael Jordan. He said, this, he said this last night. It's all I'm going to give away about last night. He said, you know, there's no I in team, but there is an I in win. <laughs> I thought that was, isn't that the most Michael Jordan quote you've ever heard? Which, uh, anyway, let's, there's also an I in the word earnings. So let's get to earnings now. Uh, Jeff, earnings season is winding, not winding down, winding up, I guess. I mean, there are a ton of big names that are set to report earnings this week. Um, kind of what should we be on the lookout for from earnings this week, Jeff? Well, we're, we're going to hear the word unprecedented more and more. <laughs> I think go. that's the most popular word so far from the uh, earnings conference calls. Um, we're also going to, unfortunately, uh, hear a lot of companies uh, talk about how they're pulling guidance. Yeah. Right. We actually got a stat on this. Historically, about 50% of companies give guidance. Uh, this, this quarter, it's about 10. Wow. So okay. we are hearing much less uh, in terms of uh, market forecasts and uh, a lot more just uncertainty, unprecedented. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll just have to wait and, and, and see. So that makes um, earnings, of course, less predictable. Uh, but f- for the companies that are giving us guidance, uh, you know, analysts are making changes to their estimates. They've come down a little bit more over the past week. And uh, they're probably going to have to come down a little bit further. Mm-hmm. Um, but interestingly, the, the results we've gotten thus far, we're about 20% uh, through the season. Um, if you take out financials, we've actually seen a nice upside surprise. So the reason that earnings overall have missed Q1 expectations, um, they've, they've missed by a few points, is really all financials. So it's not all bad news, you, you know, if you take out the bad stuff from anything, you get better stuff, right? We get that. But in this case, it's really been financials uh, driven. And that suggests that maybe the um, 
you know, the rest of the market can give us some more good news here going forward. We'll have to wait and see. That's interesting. You at today, so on Monday, we recorded this a little bit later than normal. Um, but small caps had like a over four percent gain on Monday. Yet the Fang stocks, we all know who they are. Those are all in the red. Okay, so some of the the names that have been leading us significantly. Um, ha, like technology in general, some of those stay-at-home plays struggled a little bit today. Just a sample size of one, I'm aware. But when you see the small caps doing well, and also you mentioned financials, Jeff, so that's the earnings side of things. All of a sudden, yields are starting to trickle higher a little bit again. Financials had a really good day today on Monday. So we'll, we'll just keep watching that. My take is tech is a group we've liked a lot. It's had a tremendous, tremendous run. You know, Maybe it's time to give that baton back uh, to some of those other cyclical names like the industrials and financials potentially. Um, but what do you think, Jeff? I mean, that's one of the top questions I get. Tech has been great. We've loved it at LPL Research, but it has had a great run. What, what do you think if someone had overweight technology, because it's only thing going up, what should someone do in their portfolio? Where would you go if you, or just leave it in tech? I mean, what do you think? Well, we like healthcare mm -hmm. uh, quite a bit here still. Uh, and that gives you a little bit less yep. economic sensitivity. And we know uh, there's a lot of healthcare spending for unfortunate reasons right now, but yeah. A lot of uh, healthcare spending right now. So that's another place to go and diversify away from tech. Uh, we also like communication services, which has um, the, you know, the big internet names, but a lot of other stuff in there too. Some you know, traditional telecoms, uh, some of the media names, the stay-at-home stocks. So that's another place um, that, that you can go uh, away from uh, technology. But if you're, if you're looking at a rebound you know, in the second half, uh, you mentioned industrials. I think that's probably one of the best positioned yep. sectors right now for a rebound, but it may not get going here for a little bit. Yeah, and I mean, we love, talk, or at least I love talking about market sentiment, and we've seen uh, some signs, at least on on the industrials, some massive, massive outflows, a lot of skepticism, and rightfully so. The group is really underperformed relative to a lot of other groups, but that's kind of one of those important takeaways, I think, for what can happen when you have some any good news whatsoever. And if, you know, I guess industrials, if the economy picks up, maybe we get a massive infrastructure play, which I think is something we're anticipating likely uh, this this summer. Those can be some things to trickle higher. Jeff, one other thing last week that caught my attention, speaking of kind of market sentiment, um, the Bank of America Merrill Lynch survey said almost 6% of uh, those investors that they poll have cash. Uh, that's the highest since right after 9-11 and the lowest equity allocation since March of 2009. So you want to talk about a big rally, but why it potentially can keep going, you know, six to 12 months from now. Near term, we have some very valid, or I think some very valid concerns for a well or pullback. But, you know, from a contrarian point of view, it's cliche to say don't fight the Fed and there's cash on the sidelines. Jeff, I think don't fight the Fed and cash on the sidelines are two maybe the most bullish reasons uh, they think equities will be higher this time by the end of the year, right? Oh, absolutely. Um, we get the Fed uh, on Wednesday, yep. probably not going to give us too much new news because they've uh, certainly uh, given us a lot here um, over the last several weeks. But uh, you bring up a good point. When you have this monetary stimulus, it's about 10% of the economy yeah. worth of stimulus. And then you add you know, the, the $2 trillion plus in fiscal stimulus, you're talking about 20% of the economy plus. Um, added in, in stimulus. It's a, it's a significant chunk and it's probably bigger than any other country in the world right now um, in fighting this, uh, this pandemic. Yeah, no, the great points there. Um, you know, one thing also, Jeff, that caught my attention, uh, some estimates are G global GDP this year, 2020, could be down as much as 5%. I don't think it's 
too shocking given what we see happening. For uh, comparison, global GDP was only down half a percent during the great financial crisis um, that we just had, uh, you know, 10, 12 years ago. I don't even know, I would have assumed global GDP had been down a lot more is because emerging markets actually, I guess, held in there better. I mean, do you have any, <laughs> any initial reactions to that one? Yeah, China, China was a, at a much stronger mm -hmm. stage of its growth curve back then. So they held up uh, really well. And certainly the U.S. was the epicenter of that crisis and, and yep. took the you know, relatively um, bigger hit. So yeah. uh, this is going to be worse. It'll be worse um, almost certainly in terms of GDP in the U.S. and globally. Um, and then earnings, we'll have to see, but you're probably going to get something similar in terms of the, uh, uh, the earnings decline, at least based on operating earnings, which mm -hmm. are very different than accounting earnings. Yeah, good points. Now, Jeff, we've got, uh, let's see, maybe two minutes or so. I think this week, like you said, the Fed interest or the Fed well, interest rate decision, the Fed meeting, there's likely no change in interest rates, but the Fed meetings on tap for Wednesday. And I'll ask for your comments on that in just a second. Today on Monday, Bank of Japan, in essence, said uh, unlimited uh, uh, bond buying program with the fact that they're going to start to buy more corporate bonds as well. Sounds eerily similar to what the Fed has announced over the last few weeks. And we have the ECB coming up on Thursday. So, Jeff, on Wednesday, the Fed, Thursday's ECB, what should we be on the lookout for, you think, on those two big events? Well, the ECB can do more, right? Europe's kind of been behind the curve here in, um, in fighting this uh, downturn from the pandemic. So they'll expand programs most likely and do some things like this in the U.S., this Paycheck Protection Program. They'll do some more like that uh, to try to plug the hole for uh, consumers that are um, hardest hit. And then um, for the Fed, they're gonna provide their economic outlook. And I think it's probably safe to say that they'll sound a little bit like a lot of these companies reporting earnings, right? They'll just highlight yes. unprecedented uncertainty and uh, you know they continue to stand ready to do more if needed, but uh, I'm sure they'll, uh, they'll tell us that they think what they've got now is appropriate for the current uh, environment. So don't expect anything new, just um, maybe some more color on their economic outlook and maybe a little bit more uh, information on the um, existing programs. Yeah, no, great points. I think we've almost hit the end of the road with this week's LPL Market Signals podcast, but please go to lplresearch.com every day. That's our blog. We'll have some real-time analysis to some of the uh, Fed and some of the things that we just discussed. So everyone, thank you again for listening every week. It's a lot of fun. I love the Tony Bennett quote. He said, do something you love and you've never worked a day in your life. And even though this has been an incredibly difficult market the last six or seven weeks for so many of us at the same time, it's, it's, um, in a weird, twisted way, been been a lot of fun to try to uh, figure out exactly what's going on and, and lay out some reasons why, in all likelihood, this will be one of the shortest recessions we've ever seen uh, with some potential positives uh, before the year is all said and done. So thank you, Jeff. Thank you to everybody out there again. And we'll be back next week with the latest edition of the LPL Market Signals podcast. Take care, everybody.
This material was provided by LPL Financial, is for general information only, and is not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. There is no assurance that the views or strategies discussed are suitable for all investors or will yield positive outcomes. Investing involves risks, including possible loss of principal. Any economic forecasts set forth in the podcast may not develop as predicted and are subject to change. References to markets, asset classes, and sectors are generally regarding the corresponding market index. All indexes are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Index performance is not indicative of the performance of any investment. All performance reference is historical and it's no guarantee of future results. All information referenced in the podcast is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. Securities and advisory services offered through Bell Financial, a registered investment advisor and broker-dealer. Member FINRA and SIPC. Insurance products are offered through LPL or its licensed affiliates. To the extent you are receiving investment advice from a separately registered investment advisor that is not an LPL affiliate, please note LPL makes no representation with respect to such entity. If your financial professional is located at a bank or credit union, please note that the bank or credit union is not registered as a broker-dealer or investment advisor. These products and services are being offered through LPL or its affiliates, which are separate entities from and not affiliates of the bank or credit union. Securities and insurance offered through LPL or its affiliates are not insured by the FDIC or NCUA or any government agency. Not bank or credit union guaranteed, not bank or credit union deposits or obligations, and may lose value.